Bullets That Changed America, 13 Historic Assassinations, Duels, Misfires, and Murders, available from McFarland Publishing, wherever books are sold. Now, back to our show. This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Sablaki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. Tommy, a special one today, a special one. Sure, yeah, it's our special one. Uh, I'm sure Peter's <laughs> going to talk about this quite a bit because he's really pumped about this. But this is actually the 100th episode uh, that we've recorded. And um, so being with that, with the 100, we're looking at the um, trials of the century. All right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. really where that term came from. We look at some other ones that were before the trial of the century, that term, because the term doesn't come out until um, 1907, which we'll talk about. Um, but it's just basically these well-known court cases that um, really uh, the public gets behind. You have a lot of like media frenzy and stuff like that. A lot, it's a, a lot of hype and stuff like that. It's really just a way of saying that it's a really sensational, interesting trial that the public really just gets all enthralled into. Yeah, and follows. Yeah. And especially nowadays, you see it with the 24-hour news cycle. There's literally like court channels that just deal with these sorts of things. Um, doesn't really mean anything itself. It's not like a lot of times these trials are groundbreaking. Some are, especially some of the early ones we'll talk about. But it's really just like people just, it's sensationalism. It's an example of sensationalism, more or less. All of them are called the trial, the, as in like T-H-E, right? The trial of the century. It kind of takes away from from the meaning of it if you know every 20 years you have the trial of a century look you have even it's even sometimes every it's every year <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, like, every year here's another one so many this trials last for this a long time one. again it's what catches the public attention at that time some of them that we'll talk about you probably heard of some of them you you might not um, but they're right. all out there there's information on them all we actually did some podcast episodes of some of them just doing research for this i'm like oh we did a podcast on this oh we did a podcast yeah. like because they're so known you know some more than others but at the same time, I thought it was kind of cool when we came up with this topic because of the fact, you know, because I'm, it's a dad joke and I'm being corny, but you know, trial of the century, century being a hundred, and this is a hundredth episode, so I was like kind of excited about it. And you were like, "All right, it's cool." And I'm like, "No, nah, it's so cool." Anyway, yeah, he was very, he was very excited. He was not kind. I, of I was, I was. was it's like, like, like Christmas <laughs> morning excited. excited when you're like eight and you get Optimus Prime excited, but still, it yeah. works. Nonetheless, um, hundred episodes. I, it's kind of exciting to be here after hundred episodes, and and people still listen to us, which is uh, which is something else. I mean, when we started this, we were, it was literally the depth of COVID in twenty twenty. We were in lockdowns, like, you know, this is the height where you couldn't get out, uh, and we're like, hey, why don't we start a podcast? All right, let's do it. <laughs> so I guess we've come a long way here. I mean, still I going strong, still going strong. All right, so let's talk about these trials of the century, uh, more or less, kind of. Um, you know, the background to it, because there were some trials that happened. Like when you start Googling this and, and trying to do research on this, there's a lot of trials that pop up that happened before the term itself. Well, you get notorious trials, you get famous trials, like you said, you get these early trials there. People have kind of got historians have gone back and kind of said, all right, yeah, this, the term doesn't come out until 1907. But if the term still existed, these are trials of from like 1450 and stuff like that. Yeah, there's other yeah. trials out there. Obviously. Well, even the BC, if you look at Socrates, right? Plato yeah, wrote Socrates, about this yeah. um, in Apology. And so in 399 BCE, um, Socrates was tried as a threat to Athenian democracy, right? And he was charged mm -hmm. with corrupting the youth. You know, corrupting is so interesting because, I mean, Socrates and just teaching history, you and I, I mean, we do Socratic seminars all the time. It's this idea of like questioning things and, and trying to arrive at the answer um, to a given thing by by discussion, by 
um, looking at various perspectives. And and today, these are things that you strive to do in a classroom, you know, Socratic seminars and having conversations and, and bringing up new questions, leading to new questions and having a dialogue. But, you know, we do this with the youth all the time. But here he is tried as someone that's corrupting the youth because he's making him question too many things. And question the authority, um, yeah. Yeah, and he's condemned to death by poison, apparently. Trial itself, again, this is 399 BCE, so we know as much as we know. But um, it did raise a lot of questions about just conflict between moral and religious obligations. Yeah, free and speech. Law. Free speech, right? Big deal. So travel century, definitely not a thing in 399 BCE. However, it does kind of fall under what we're talking about here, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, so um, a lot of those ancient ones. Like the, another one would be Galileo, right? Yep. Yep, yep. So you have his whole trial in the hands of Inquisition in 1633. Yep. And um, he was basically confronted with the edict of that he was forbidden from dis- discussing his theories, basically, in his defense. He actually had produced a letter from the from the cardinal, right, um, yep. which was dead by then, saying that, you know, he was abolished not only to hold a defended theory, so he could have it, right, but it was... Um, but what was his theory? I mean, he basically... Well, the theory that the sun of was the center of the universe. So his idea yeah. was like, all right, there's a sun, we evolve around the sun, like, this is what's going on, and the church was like, no. It's by the way, I was I was in Copernicus's house last week, FYI. Well, ah. There you go. Yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I just, I just got back from Poland. So we visited Copernicus' like birthplace, his, his home, his childhood home. Which is kind of crazy when you look at it. It's it's so old and it's just still standing there in a modern city. Awesome. Stuff. You sure it was his house though? I think they. No, it, it was. It it actually uh, it, it was uh, no like <laughs> legit. Was I know, I'm just messing. With <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? What anyway? No matter what, he actually is trialed. They almost do like a, a plea bargain. Like nowadays we call it a plea bargain, where he didn't say that he didn't mean it. He just kind of confessed that he overstated his case. Yeah. More or less, and then he was condemned to life imprisonment. Yeah. Um, the Catholic Church did admit its error in 1992, and then I think in 2002, uh, John Pope John Paul II gave a formal apology. Yeah, it was about it. bad. So they kind of were like, "Yeah, we shouldn't have really done that to him." But it kind of really that this happened in 1633, and they don't apologize until 2000. Like, it happens a lot, right? Like, like they kind of knew he was right, supporting Copernicus and everything, and saying the son of Senator. A lot of people, if they were educated, believed that anyway. Mm-hmm. At the time, they just didn't go out and say it publicly. Galileo just was one of these ones who was educated and saying it publicly. That's what got him in trouble. And then the next one um, that kind of, again, this was pre-trial of the century, but it would be if the term had existed, uh, is something that we talk a lot about in school, and that is the Salem Witch Trials. I mean, people, kids and students talk about this a lot in English classes as well as history classes. So this is a 1692 Salem Witch Trials, Massachusetts Bay Colony, right? Town of Salem. Essentially, all this really was was just mass hysteria. Um, of suspected witchcraft and apparently uh, it was you know it was young girls that claimed that they were possessed by the devil and kind of accused these women of being witches and then it went back and forth and it caused mass hysteria where other people are like well this person is a witch too and this person is a witch as well and ultimately there was like 19 witches that were convicted and sent in, uh, sentenced to hanging right or imprisonment yeah. whichever and eventually kind of all realized kind of just subdued itself um, by 62 end of 62 so within a few months um Basically, they kind of they, they basically realized, all right, we're going a little overboard here. Yeah, we're kind of going a little overboard here. Well, but too late for the people that were already killed. But well, yes, yes, but the remaining people were were actually released. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, this was pretty. Yeah. yeah, this was this was extremely sensationalized at the time. At least, I mean, again, this is 1690, so it's not like news of Massachusetts Bay Salem witch trials is a big deal in like Virginia at the time it's happening. But this was a big trial and big sensationalized event in Massachusetts um, Bay Colony. So 
Um, and now we're getting to like not modern by any means, but some of these kind of start fitting into the trial of the century because now you have the media. Well, yeah, the media and their court trials. Like they're, the court they're trials. not the they're more they're more Western. I would say Western court American court trials, right? Yeah, yep, more yep, or less. Yep. Um, do you um, want to go to Lizzie Borden or which one yeah, do you want to go to? Let's do Lizzie Borden and we'll get to the, the first trial of the century after that because it happens it's not too long after that, I believe. Yeah, right? yeah. So everyone Lizzie knows, uh, people have heard of Lizzie Borden. Yep. Right? Um, they still talk about her. She's one of those famous, um, uh, she was acquitted on charges of acts murdering her parents. And you have that nursery rhyme. I don't know if it's still a popular nursery rhyme. I do remember hearing it when I was a kid, but I don't know. I don't think my kids know. I mean, it really rhymes well, right? Lizzie Borden well, took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. And when she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. I mean, it's kind of morbid, but... Yeah, well, I mean, it is morbid, yeah. So it basically happened <laughs> in August of 1892, where Lizzie's father left the home to conduct his business. He left the house. Um, his wife was still there. And on his return, he sat on the couch for a nap. And then according, he kind of woke up around 11.15 a.m., according to her testimony, discovered her father was dead. Uh, repeatedly struck in the head with a sharp object. And then upstairs, um, the wife's body was found even more brutally murdered. And the examination proved that her death had preceded her husband's by an hour or so. Uh, it's kind of crazy if they could tell that even back then now. Like, kind of yeah, this like is CSI. 1892, right? That would be like a cool show. Like a, it should be like a CSI spinoff, like CSI 1892, and just see how yeah. they did back then, you know? So but she was fishy. I mean, Lizzie was kind of fishy in all this, right? I mean, because really, they yeah. attacked her character. There was no real evidence that she whacked him. Well, no, the they that she tried to purchase some acid or like a poison right. and they found out that she burned, burned her dress in a stove. So then was she trying to like burn like the evidence and stuff like that. Yeah. But the jury did acquit her because there was only circumstantial evidence. There was no real hard evidence against her. And there's a whole bunch of theories about who actually killed her parents. Was it like someone who came in? Was it her? Was it that she hired someone that she had nothing to do with it whatsoever? It's just like, how did your parents get killed and you not know about it? You know what I mean? And again, yeah. 41 times getting struck with an axe is brutal like that's overkill that's usually emotion is involved there yeah you know it's not just like a quick kill and it's not, a robber a robber's not going to do that you know yep 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 this really caught the attention of the nation being like oh what's going on here and, stuff and like I said, that. this was newspapers all over the place so this is really kind of it wasn't coined yet as a trial of a century um no. however this really fits every you know like checkpoint i guess of what would con- constitute uh, trial of the century because it also is so close 1892 where 20th century is really when it kind of becomes a term but this was extremely followed through newspapers and people are like wow did this girl really just like axe her parents this kind of moves us into the 20th century which is where you have this trial of the century there's quite a few i mean you, which would thaw would be next right harry well there's the trial of the um person who assassinated president william mckinley uh not much but there's a little <laughs> bit on him. Basically, you know, McKinley was ignored as president, and then he was eventually um, shot and killed by Leon. I'm not going to be able to say Chug- his Chuglov, name. Chuglov, Chuglov, or whatever his name is. There was. you go. Use your Eastern European dialect there. He was indicted on first-degree murder. People were into it because, again, the press was there. Also, this was the assassination oh, was of the president. president. Of the, yeah. And him becoming president made Roosevelt president. So that changes like a lot of dynamics in the country. So it was really keeping you know people on. A lot of people were saying that he had some sort of brain injury and so there was a lot of appeals. Also, there was suspicion whether or not he was the only person involved in the assassination. There was other people that were believed to be involved in it. So it got kind of just made it very sensationalized. But whenever like some major official gets, gets killed, in this case, a president, you know, um, it's going to be big news. It's going to be a big deal. Yeah. And it's obviously captures the nation. So it was a very popular case. But again, it doesn't get that name of the trial of the century. 
the first one that that happened with was the murder of um, Stanford White and the first trial of the century, which was basically the um, the trial of Harry Thaw, right? Yep, That's when 1906. Saw. Yeah. So Thaw was a wealthy son of um, Pittsburgh industrialist, right? Yeah. And he yes. basically had a history of mental illness. I mean, this came up in the trial that he was not right upstairs. Uh, he was also very fond of Broadway showgirls. Apparently, you know, he used his money to try to get with these girls. And then on June 25th, 1906, he winds up shooting and killing architect Stanford White while they were attending a play at Madison Square Garden. So he shot him right there. And White, who was shot, was a longtime rival for the attention of this one particular showgirl. Evelyn Nesbitt. That was that was actually Thor's um, wife. Yeah, he was wife, his wife. Right. Yeah. Well, at one point, showgirl, eventually his wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so eventually, Thaw winds up uh, marrying this Evelyn Nesbitt. Um, before they got married, though, White was hooking up with her. And then afterwards, um, Thaw thought that White was still trying to hook up with his wife, um, now his wife. So so he winds up shooting him. Um, the high profile of the crime basically led to a media frenzy because there's so much money involved because, again, it's a very wealthy individual. Um, there's two trials. The first one was deadlocked. The second, um, they actually brought Nesbitt to testify. And Thaw's mother, so her mother-in-law, wind up paying Nesbitt to say that White, who was shot and killed, had actually raped and abused her. And that is why Thaw wind up shooting him. Um, so with that new evidence, again, we know now that this was false it's, because yeah, she got paid for that. Made up. He winds up being found guilty, but of insanity. Like he's in love so much for, you know, trying to protect his wife and it made him insane. Basically, they put him in a insane asylum. And in 1913, which just we should, should say, but at that time they would have killed him. There would have been a death penalty, but he just goes to insane asylum. In 1913, he's released from the asylum, but you know, he's not right. This guy was never really right. So Thaw would spend the rest of his life in and out of different mental institutions. But it was such a big deal because he was so wealthy um, yeah i mean he even when he was in prison you can find pictures he was allowed to wear tailored clothes he always got red wine like he slept in a brass bed like he was allowed certain things because of his stature remember this is the turn of the century too so it was that idea of like well he's accustomed to these things therefore you know he should yeah, have them can. yep yep and stuff that so you have that sort of like weirdness going on there and they wind up the two wind up getting divorced in 1915 Nesbitt well, you would like, think, he, right? Yeah, it's not. Well, he was je jealous of anyone who even like came near her. It was that sort of thing. Like he saw his wife basically as like a, um, like a trophy wife, like a trophy. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like he said, I was having him. He winds up dying in 1947, in the age of 76. So and he still had a lot of money. He was he had about a million dollar. His his estate was still valued about a million dollars, which is about 12 million back then. So I mean, he had he had money. Well, now that we have a term, said. trial of a century. No, this I that's mean, when it that's when, that's when it's termed. Yeah. Well, you have Bill, uh, Big Bill Haywood, 1907, kind of. Then you have Sacco Vanzetti, which we literally which we just did a podcast about, yeah. on. Then you I have the Chicago the next, Black Sox. Yeah, you have the, you have the Black Sox scandal. Which, which one do you want to go? Which one do you want to go to next? We want to go to, I guess, the Black Sox, right? Because that that's the Black Sox, 1921. I mean, we talked about that a little bit in our. Um, we talked about that one a little just, bit. Just just now, yeah. In our baseball um, two-parter, but it was basically occurred in 1921. You had eight members of the 1919. Chicago White Sox, they were basically indicted, right, of having mm -hmm. to throw in that year's World Series, and they were dubbed, it was dubbed the Black Sox scandal. There was uh, pitchers, right, Lefty Williams, um, Eddie Chersett, you had first baseman, Adel Jindal, so you had all these basic players, the most famous, uh, probably Shoeless Joe Jackson, all right, 
And yep. the court record suggests eight players received different amounts, $70,000, $100,000 for losing um, five games to three. It was a different – you didn't have to win. It wasn't best out of seven back then. In spite of their eventual acquittal, the players were banned from baseball, right? Um, you have that famous saying from Truth Joe Jackson. I like you know the phrase that you see on the newspapers, like, saying ain't so Joe. Like, yep. He's such a, like, a beloved person. And it was really a trial that people just wanted to see what was going to happen because baseball was so big at the time. It was a Nationals pastime. And even now, if there was a scandal or something like this, like players you know, throwing, throwing games, games yeah. on purpose, so that's one reason why Pete Rose was always banned from baseball. I, I, that's another baseball player, Pete, in case you didn't wait. Yeah, yeah, Rose. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, I know baseball he, now. Even though he has the all-time hit record, he's not allowed in the Hall of Fame because he bet on baseball when he was a player and a manager. So he's yeah. on games. So like, we can't have that. It's like base, one of baseball's big rules is that because of this black Scott scandal, you cannot bet players and managers and stuff. You're involved in a game. You cannot bet on it. Even though you notice that they were, gambling's they were acquitted. Places. Yeah. But they were acquitted on like technicality because there was a, yes. a basically the semantics of like different difference between throwing games and defrauding the public, which is a crime that they were actually tried for. So it's like, well, they were tried for the wrong thing. They couldn't figure out like, were they throwing games or defrauding the public? Like, there's different like consequences for each one, and they were tried under the wrong one. So ultimately, that's why they were found not guilty. None of the eight ever played baseball again. You know, yeah, they were done. They destroyed, they destroyed their careers and stuff like that. Right. Whether they did it or not, that's what happened. Unfortunately, yes, yeah, this is nineteen. Opinion. Yeah, this is nineteen twenty-one, and then another nineteen twenty-one trial of the century. So, like, you're right. Like these things, you know, these things happen. Yeah, they like just once. use them all the time. Yeah, right. Roscoe Fatty Arbuckle, right? Arbuckle, Arbuckle. Um, one of the biggest silent film stars in early American cinema. He was arrested in 1921. So they called him fatty because he was overweight. But by today's standards, you know, he's actually not that overweight. If you look at pictures of Roscoe Arbuckle. Right? Yeah, but then what does that mean? Does that mean that he wasn't yeah. that big then or just people now are so much bigger? I guess people now could be bigger, <laughs> right? I don't know. You know I mean, saying? but the problem is like, you know, you and I go to the doctor and the doctor looks at the BMI thing and tells us we're obese. And I'm like, I'm I, okay. <laughs> like yeah yeah well different but but yeah but, um but plus you couldn't call someone fatty right now in either in yeah either imagine that was that's, that's that's nickname. Nickname. That's roscoe nickname. fatty or buckle yeah. anyway so he's a very big silent film star in american cinema at the time arrested in 1921 because they said he accidentally killed a young woman after he potentially raped her so it's like they weren't concentrating on the rape part they were like you know his weight probably killed her because he was so heavy. Um, so apparently they're at a party. And he invites this woman back to his apartment. Whatever happens, whatever happens. We don't know. It's just the two of them. And then afterwards, three days later, actually, after the party, she winds up dying from a, rap, a ruptured bladder. And the friend of this girl that dies says that, tells the police, like, well, you know, three days ago, she went up to Arbuckle's apartment. And, you know, they did what they did. And, and you know, he probably raped her. And police concludes that it must have been his weight that caused the injury. So he is um, basically brought on trial. And this is like a big deal. This Imagine like a big movie star right now being yeah. accused of that. Like just a Harvey Weinstein of 1921 kind of thing. Except there was very circumstantial evidence in this case. Um, so two hung juries, right? He was eventually found not guilty in the third trial because they said most of the evidence and testimony against him proved circumstantial um, or coerced. Like it was just him and her in that room. No one really knows what might have happened. And there was no previous events where he was accused of doing anything such as that particular thing. So basically it ends his career 
Um, he doesn't make another film for 10 years. And about 10 years later, people are like, all right, like maybe people have forgotten about Fatty Arbuckle, like we could bring him back. And he's having his resurgence in 1933. But that same year, he passes away from a heart attack. So that was a big trial. I mean, not one trial. There's like three trials. They couldn't figure out. It was a hung jury twice. It was a really unique trial of the day too. Because they're charging with the murder. They're not really looking at like the rape. Like that's almost like an afterthought. Yeah. It's almost considered. Isn't, well, that isn't that crazy? It's like yeah, it's crazy. crazy. But like, and it makes no sense. Obviously, but they're just saying you know. And it was also talking maybe she her she had cancer and that's what caused her bladder the rupture. So there's a lot of that sort of stuff going on too. Um, they just couldn't prove it whether he did it or not. So nuts. Leopold and Loeb, 1924. There should be a movie about this one. Nathan Leopold Jr., Richard Loeb. So they were just these elitist college students, right? In 1924, uh, they decided they were going to commit the perfect crime. And apparently in college at the time, again, these are really wealthy college kids, right? Yeah. Um, They were studying the German philosopher Nietzsche, um, like theory of being a Superman, like the idea of like, yeah, again, being above the law Everyone and yourself. Else, yeah. Yep. And they thought they could commit this perfect crime. So, uh, again, psychotic. They wound up kidnapping and murdering this 14-year-old boy. And then it wasn't as perfect as they thought because Leopold's glasses were found near the crime scene. History is the greatest adventure story. But does it ever leave you wondering what the women were doing all that time? This is Lori from the Her Half of History podcast, and the answer is that some women were seizing power, or escaping slavery, or spying for their country, or creating artistic masterpieces, while countless others were doing the laundry, getting married, and wondering why their clothes don't have more pockets. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out Her Half of History at herhalfofhistory.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It was a completely senseless crime, no reason for it. And the fact that these these two um, defendants were so well off, it, it led to a high-profile media coverage, right? Well, they, had and they like, bring usually in, they thought, yeah, it would be like poor people committing crimes. Like rich yeah, people yeah, didn't yeah. commit crimes, they didn't need to. But like, no, they can be messed up too. And actually, they're, um, they were so rich. Vob's family had Clarence Darrow, which we're going to yep. hear about a couple of these trials. He was actually the defense attorney. Yeah, Clarence Darrow, guys, is the – and I think we did a podcast on this – the Scopes Monkey Trial. Yeah. You know, you study about this all the time in school. Like that's Darrow was, you know, that's kind of what brought center stage was the trial of the century yeah. with John Scopes. But this that doesn't happen for another year. Here he winds up defending these men, and he actually argues that they shouldn't be sentenced to death because obviously he's not saying they're innocent. Yeah, he's not yeah. saying they're innocent. Like they did it, but yeah. he's saying life imprisonment. This is when you start seeing that you know the state should not be killing people. Like that's that was not, that's not its role. That's yeah, basically. that's really what this came down to. Yeah, because you couldn't, they did it, right? And his idea was like, well, what happens here is that they were taught this theory, this this Nietzsche theory in college, and they took it a little too seriously, and it kind of impeded their ability to reason properly. Therefore, they committed that crime, but it wasn't ill-intended. It's like, what? They just murdered somebody, and they try to get away with this perfect crime. But he managed to somehow sway the jury to say, look, these two men... Um, were were kind of cheated by the education system, and therefore they shouldn't be sentenced to death penalty, but just life. And they were, and they wound up being thrown in jail for life. However, Loeb was eventually killed um, in jail, something I need to look into because I thought that was interesting. And Leopold was released after 33 years. Um, they said that he served enough time. So he was 53 
when he was released from jail. But yeah, this was a huge, high-profile media coverage case. Um, by every definition, a trial of the century. And a year later, uh, Clarence Darrow takes center stage again, right, for trial of the century. This one's often called that, which is the monkey yeah. trial. Scopes monkey trial, yes. I know we, we, I know we, we talked yeah. about doing a couple of times, but basically 1925, right, it basically pitted two skilled speakers up against each other. William Jennings Bryan was for prosecution and Clarence Darrow for defense. And they're basically debated over the teaching of Charles Darwin's theory of evolution because Scopes, who was a school teacher, decided to teach the theory, even though it was banned in, ten- in Tennessee. And they saw they, it was banned as unlawful teaching of any doctrine de- 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 denying divine creation. And it, it really had wor- world attention on this trial. Um, the judge ruled basically that John T. Scopes taught evolution, which was against the law at the time, so he couldn't yep. do that. But it basically became this bigger thing, right? So he was convicted. He was fined $100. All right, fine, whatever. And on appeal, the state Supreme Court upheld that constitutionally of the 1927 law, but acquitted Scopes because he was fined too much. And eventually the law was repealed, but not until 1967. Yep. Um, which, yeah, so it's, a, it's idea, it's church and state, it's free speech. So it's a lot of stuff going, you know, going in there. And you're seeing this a lot now too, a lot of people, you know, what should be taught in schools? Should we teach this? Should this not be taught? You know, so it's, it's, it's that question is still relevant today. I think there's still some textbooks in 2022 that have a little um, prefect. It's like something at the beginning of the book that states, yeah, especially that the, well, the yeah, theory of where, yeah. evolution. Yeah, not not all, obviously. Yeah, yeah, no, just what yeah. certain, certain states parts have of the that. country that's saying, yeah, this is that evolution is this, and this it's is a just theory. theory. It is it's just, just a theory. There. It's being taught and stuff like that, which yeah, is yeah. Oh, oh, okay, whatever okay. you want to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> but whatever floats your boat. It's 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 that sort of thing. So. Um, oh, yeah. So, so there's some other ones here. I guess we don't have to go through every one that we found. But I think no, another big one that we that we talked about was the Lindbergh kidnapping, right? Yeah, we definitely talked about that one. I mean, that was that huge. Was a, that was huge at the time piece. Charles Lindbergh was, again, all these people, all these cases become big because the people involved are celebrities of their yep. time. So that's going to yep, be yep. big. Um, the Nuremberg trials popped up a lot too, right? The Nuremberg trials and the Scottsboro boys was a yeah. big deal because there was so many different trials for that one. You want to do Nuremberg yeah, that, first or Scottsboro first? Go ahead. Do Nuremberg. Go ahead. So Nuremberg trials, obviously post-World War um, two. post-World War II. It actually, they took place, the trials took place between 1945 and 1949. So it was like four different years and a total of over 170 different Nazis were tried for war crimes. But often people really just pay attention to the first series of trials because that's the one, those are the ones that the German Nazi leadership, the main leadership, um, was put on trial. And th- those are the ones that are kind of we know and study in, in history books. Uh, Nuremberg is important in itself because the the decision to have these trials for war crimes of in Nuremberg was picked because Nuremberg was a huge rally center for Adolf Hitler before the war and throughout the war. That's where he would hold all those rallies. The Allies brought these criminals back to Nuremberg you know, again, like if you know, this is where it was the center of media frenzy for Hitler, well, this is going to be the center of media frenzy for punishing his followers. Um, so the most high profile cases and trials occur in the initial stage that run in 1945 to 1946, a few months in. Um, the panel of judges were from the United States, Great Britain, France and Soviet Union. And they basically submit their rulings based on testimonies, so on and so forth. Uh, Twenty yes, uh, Holocaust survivors, right? Exactly. So these are these are the top brass of whoever didn't kill themselves. Because if you study World War II, you realize that a lot of these top-ranking Nazis did one of um, 
three things. One, they try to escape to South America. Two, they committed suicide. Or three, they were actually caught and put on Nuremberg trial. So these aren't even the, the worst of the worst because a lot of those other guys escaped um, and or killed themselves. But United or States, Great got, Britain, France. Yeah. What happened? I was going to say, or they be, they worked for the Soviets or the Americans after. Oh, the that is true. Like, especially with the Project Paperclip, all that stuff. But, well, that's yeah. a whole other idea. Different, different podcast. <laughs> different podcast. Um, so, 22 men are tried, 12 are sentenced to death, um, three received life imprisonments, four received sentences of 10 to 20 years, and three were acquitted. And then after that, about 12 more sets of trials of lesser known Nazi military, political, or even medical officials um, took place between 46 and 49. But this was almost like the closing, CCR. yeah, closing of the book. Yeah, and it's all they're all recorded too, right? Like they have yep. they have recordings of all of this, so it's like you, you can see it as it's happening. It's one not the first time this happened, but it's like on a world stage, I guess. It's one of the first times, yeah, when you're seeing all of this. The Scottsboro Boys was a, was a big deal too um, at the time because well, yeah, because really, this was like a miscarriage of justice, right? Absolutely, and and it really shows the dichotomy between North and South, you know, during. Um, I mean, Jim Crow era, basically. Yeah, 1930s. Yeah, 1931. Yeah. The trials went from 31 to 37, right? Yeah, yeah. There were like six years, years. of trials because, of all, because there were uh, nine teenagers. Yeah, so there's nine black boys, right? Ages 12 to 19, right? So nine black boys. And they are accused in 1931 of raping two young white women. One was 21 years old. The other one was 17 years old. Um, that were they were all traveling through uh, Alabama on a train, and that's where it supposedly happened. Well, the two women were actually prostitutes, the twenty one and the seventeen year old. And actually, what ha- winds up happening here is they're arrested. These women once they're arrested, as they're crossing these state lines in this train, because technically the twenty one year old was bringing the underage girl that's seventeen across state lines for prostitution, which in itself. Right is a, is a offense. It's a crime. Yeah, is a crime. So to try to kind of deter the police from finding her guilty or, or arresting her, uh, in the sense that you're just basically bringing this young child to prostitution, um, she says, "Well, actually, while we were on a train, these nine these nine black boys over there raped us." So she kind of did it as a way to move attention away from what she was doing. And then it goes into these trials, and the trials were, I mean, infamous in a sense. Um, the first one was they were rushed. They weren't. Yeah, they were all white yeah, juries. judges, all white juries. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were found guilty, and they were found basically their verdict was death um, right away. The only thing is, the trial of the ninth, which was the twelve-year-old, uh, ended in a hung jury because they just couldn't agree if he was too young for death penalty. So while the old white jury had no issue with stating, "All right, these guys are obviously guilty," they said. Um, so we're going to kill them. But the 12-year-old, oh, maybe we shouldn't kill them. Um, except there was such outrage over the unfair trials that specifically NAACP and the American Communist Party even. In 1932, the U.S. Supreme Court winds up ruling that the defendants were denied the right of counsel. The Supreme Court asked for a retrial. So then this is a time where the woman, the 21-year-old, actually comes out with the 17-year-old and says, well, actually, we kind of lied. Like, we, we were never raped. This this is kind of yeah, what they're happened. They're just doing it to cover their own, protect themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And she literally says this in testimony, and yet the jury still returns a guilty conviction and death sentences. So the Supreme Court again goes back and rejects the verdicts, and it's like, yeah, no. Um, this time on the grounds that black citizens in Alabama were systematically denied the right to um, take part in juries. 
So they bring into a third trial in 36-37, and they put one black man on the jury. But since it's two-thirds vote necessary for conviction, the one doesn't do anything. Doesn't do um, matter, yeah. So once again, they come up guilty. Except this time, the last one was five out of nine were found guilty. Uh, none were sentenced to death. Um, and then the five were sentenced to life in prison. They were eventually released in the payroll. I think they were released in 1940, so about you know five, six years later. Some served as, as long as a decade for a crime they never yeah, committed. Crazy. For never committed. And the people actually said, that, all right, they didn't do it. And it's still yeah, in, which is the shows, yeah. surreal. But again, this stretched for six years. This was in the news for six years. Big deal. Yeah. High profile. I I say we kind of um, not. I don't want to say skip, skip a over a lot of things. Yeah. Let's fast forward a little bit. So obviously you have some big ones like Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, right? Yeah. Put to death. I think we talked about them a little bit. Yeah. Chicago, Chicago Seven. Seven is cool. Yeah, about it. yeah, that sort of things. But um, let's look at one that people probably heard of before, um, which is uh, Charles the Charles Manson, right? Yep. Very Manson fam- family very, murders. Very, yep. So this is a famous one. Okay. Yeah. That kind of had a resurgence. Um, couple years ago when they had uh what the quentin tarantino movie right once upon a time in hollywood yeah which is not what actually happened all right that's not history it's one of his like revisionist history pieces like uh inglorious bastards um but the manson Manson family murders of um right the tate and those murders and it basically this becomes a shen tate and everything and um would you see how they killed it i mean she was pregnant so they actually went in and cut her stomach to kill the child separately yeah it was brutal it was a brutal murder it was ridiculous and it was uh, also kind of, they said also murdered the hippie dream piece. It kind of really turned people against hippies a lot. Like yeah. they like this whole kind of culture. They're like, well, this, this is what happens when you're doing hippie and you're doing acid and stuff like that. It really, you know, the, the trial itself kind of like looked at the late sixties and the glimmer of Hollywood as being like, maybe it wasn't as good, good as everyone says it was because they have this like dangerous cult and, you know, Charles Manson and his family and stuff like that. And he's a, he's a, whacked out person anyway who pretty much just yeah. recently passed away too a couple of years ago well he basically preached this like apocalyptic race war right that's yeah, race war helter skelter yeah. yeah yeah that's gonna come happen and if you follow him and his family quote unquote like you will not only survive but after this apocalyptic race war his family will be in position of dominant power like follow me yeah which is um, basically because of all the acid he was taking thinking that and they wrote um helter skelter and they wrote uh, pigs in, I think, in their bodies and in their and in blood on like the walls and stuff like that. And this is like an up to sc- upscale, you know, Hollywood mansion where right, they broke into. Oh, I mean, he, they broke into. This is, this, this is Roman Polanski before the whole yeah. like you know I had sex yeah. with a twelve year old. But yes, at the time, yes. he was a very known um, director. Uh, Jack Nicholson was supposed to be at that party. He just basically yeah. called out a couple hours earlier. He's like, "Yeah, I can't make it." You know, like imagine how different history, cinematic history, yeah. would have well, been. Well, Sharon Tate too. Like she, she was an up and coming actress at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Time. And the other people um, that were there too. There were other people there too that they were actresses, hairdressers, you know, in that business, friends. And they're just, you know, having it's a night out. They're back, and these whack jobs basically come in and murder them. And um, no. Manson wasn't actually part of the murder, but he did order the murder. And there's always. There's always this debate. I'm not going to get into it now because we, you know, it's just too long. Again, this is something that could be another podcast. And there's probably thousands yeah. of podcasts and books just on this. But a lot of the women, yeah. the girls are like, listen, you know, we did it, whatever. But you know, we were kind of like brainwashing stuff. And there's always talk of like, should certain, should they be let out and stuff? And usually they just say no. Like their, their pearls repeatedly denied. Yeah. Manson was, and always, even him. was always denied too. I mean, because he was sentenced to his, death. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was coming to um, life imprisonment. But even if you, like Manson, they, they used to ask him and be like, you know, what would you do? Yeah, if, what would you do if you want to get on parole? 
And one of the things he used to say, apparently, what he would just look into the people's eyes in the parole board and be like, I'll, I'll, I'm going to kill you and your family. Like right. he knew he wasn't getting out anyway. So I think towards the end, he just didn't even like for the last 10, 15 years of his life, he didn't even go to his parole hearings because he knew it wasn't going to happen. He's like, I'm not even. What a guy. What a guy. But, Unbelievable. These people job. are psychotic. Well, yes. um, and this one, I mean, the next one, we all remember. I mean, this was, I remember this, uh, the, uh, the trial of OJ Simpson. I mean, oh, you skipped a couple there. Okay, yeah, OJ. Simpson, I mean, no. Well, yes. what do you want to do? Well, I mean, what, what, well, no, I think that the only other one that I would say that really, I mean, you have you have Ted Bundy, you have the ones like that, but the Kyle and Eric Menendez one was a big one. Um, okay, but yeah, yeah. No, I think let's go to in the interest of time, let's go to OJ Simpson. Yes, because this was probably the one that when they said this was the trial of the century, this was like a big one, especially for the nineties. Like I think it overshadowed a bunch of the other ones and just became this like massive trial with oj simpson the murder of ron that Bowman is huge his, i did skip we could have done patty hearst too like patty hearst would have been a big one yeah we're good though people can we, we just name in some like i okay, said in the interest of time right. in the interest of just all right so oj simpson um i remember this specifically because when the trial well, yeah, we were yeah we were, we were middle school um when the verdict came out my english teacher actually you know back in the day when you had to like roll in the tv yeah. into the classroom yeah, my science teacher that they wheeled the tv into the classroom they so did. Could watch it. yeah yeah, English teacher just rolled in the TV and like put the TV on, sat down and said, just watch history, guys. And I was like, all right, like what? <laughs> like, I guess we're not doing anything today. That's how big of a deal it was. You know, it, it was just surreal. And we all kind of, you know, when you think of OJ Simpson, you're associated with the drawn out, super slow, white Bronco chase yeah the chase remember he was famous he was uh people knew him from being an nfl star right the first yeah. running back to ever rush for 2000 yards he was also a broadcaster he was an actor in those naked gun movies he was in a bunch of other movies and stuff like that so he was famous everyone and then he was being put on trial for the killing of his wife and her friend ron goldman and this trial itself spanned for 11 months so it was yep. long and and then you're watching it, and on the, it, it was broadcast live on TV, and you had like Judge Ito. It was really it was like that, like sensationalism at its biggest with the um, Kardashian. With the, but yeah, um, it was because the defense team was considered that they actually called yeah, the defense team the dream, the dream team. team. They called them the dream team and everything like that. And then you had Marsha Clark on the prosecution, and everything. And even recently, they right they made that. Um, they, it wasn't it called the Child of the Century, like the like yep. miniseries about it. Yep, yep. And everything. And he just got a jail on about a year or two ago, but on other charges, right, for kidnapping and getting back his... Yeah, he was trying to steal um, back his trophies or whatnot. His trophies, yeah, but he did it by gunpoint, which you can't do. But the judge also, he kind of got charged. He got, got put extra time in just because of the other charge. Like, well, you escaped, you escaped, you know, justice once, so I'm going to... Yeah, in 1994, uh, June 12th, Simpson's ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her friend, they say, or boyfriend, Ronald Goldman, stabbed to death outside an L.A. home. Um, apparently, what happens shortly brutally, thereafter... Brutally, yeah. Brutally stabbed, yeah is oj simpson with blood on him is seen leaving the scene of the crime he is chased through la um you know in his white bronco he is arrested and charged with the two murders pleading not guilty off the bat um he's acquitted a year later um in 1995 despite what a lot of people thought that was overwhelming physical evidence that he did it um and it was the, the infamous glove right uh like the bloody glove found at a crime yes. scene. Like if, if, it, if doesn't it doesn't fit, fit, you must acquit. You must acquit. You must acquit. Um, yes. And that was, you know, that was essentially it for that. So he's found not guilty. World's watching this. Um, there's also a lot of issues that came up here with regards to race. I remember oh, at the huge, time, yeah. right? Like this is a black man being trialed. And 
Um, you know, it was. got to remember what happened murder. a few years before this. What the '92 was the Rodney King um, yep. verdict. Remember, so yep. that this is so you had that where those uh, police officers are accused of beating him, were actually found not guilty. And you watch even though the video, like, like yeah, his video of them doing it, yeah, yeah doing it. Crazy. So it and then so you had that, and then you had everything with OJ. So yeah, a lot of white Americans felt like you know it was the non-guilty verdict was racially motivated, while a lot of African Americans believed that you know justice was served, that he was innocent. And, you know, over the years, people formed their own opinions about it. OJ's still around. He wrote a book, right, if I did it. Well, this is the interesting about the book. So separate civil trial, right, in 1997. Yeah. So after he's already Bye. found, you know, not guilty, yeah. uh, he is found guilty and liable for the deaths yeah. and is ordered to pay yeah. $33.5 million in damages to the families. Yeah. And why that uh, happened is because there's less, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Pete. Go. Just go like go. for like a criminal trial, there, it, it was a civil trial, which is they're seeking damages, like monetary damages. Mm-hmm. The burden of proof is much less than it is in a criminal trial. So yep. they didn't have to prove quite as much, and that's one reason why. But if you really watch both trials, it's the exact same trial. Like it's all the same evidence, but because the Crazy. burden of proof is so much less, that's what happened. Crazy, like you said. Right. So then he winds up actually writing the book. If I did it, this I would have done it. But um, there's crazy public outrage when he's talking about writing this book. So the publication is stopped in 2006. But then because he ha- he's becomes bankrupt and he can no longer pay the 33.5 million dollars in damages to the families, the book rights are then given to the families of those that are killed, and it is they who released the book in 2007, so they could actually get their money back. So. And then he winds up going back to jail, as we know. Um, he goes back to jail basically because of the fact that years later, he not that long ago, um, he decides that he is going to try to reclaim his memorabilia that he sold because he had no money. Um, so he basically armed robbery, I'm pretty sure. Um, he went in and tried to get that uh, that stuff back, which which led to him being arrested and thrown in jail. Um, the last one here, and I don't know if it's the last Can't one. Can't do that. But- no. The impeachment and trial of President Bill Clinton popped up almost That's everywhere. That's popped up on every single one, yeah. Well, again, if it was a famous trial and it made basically names of a lot of these individuals, like, you know, Monica Lewinsky and stuff like that. And it's the first um, president being impeached since Andrew Johnson, not the last one, right? Yep. But um, first president being impeached since Johnson. But this time it's in, again, it's in 1999. So people are, you know, it's, it's being sensationalized as a president that basically had an affair and he lied about it and then it kind of blew up and got even more. Yeah, no. And this was, this was definitely like, you know, by definition, a trial of the century is a trial that garners a lot of media attention Attention. and public scrutiny, which this fits all of those components. But it really started by um, independent five-year investigation um, by Kenneth Starr that was supposed yeah. to really focus on Bill Clinton's like real estate dealings that were like supposedly shady. But while he's doing or investing in President Clinton, he comes across the fact that he might be having an affair with this young, you know, um, White House intern. Well, and then when the report comes out, the 445 page report, um, it doesn't really talk at all about the initial impetus behind the report, which is these real estate dealings, but really just concentrates on this affair. Um, in because he lied about it. That's the thing, right? He goes he on. He said, "I did not have sex with that sex relations with that woman, Miss yeah. Lewinsky." And because he lied about it, that's what creates that perjury, obstruction of justice. That's right. basically what he's being trialed on. Um, yeah. So the Senate trial begins in 1999, um, January 7th. Um, by February 12th, the Senate um, actually acquits the president of perjury by vote 55 to 45 because 10 Republicans wind up joining the 45 Democrats. 
and the voter of the charge of obstruction of justice was 50-50. Um, but a number of senators voted for acquittal basically because of the fact that said they said that even if he did have sex with this younger woman, right? It's not like she was underage. Um, it did not constitute the high crimes and misdemeanors specified by the Constitution as grounds from removal from office. So he was never removed from office, but it kind of tainted his presidency. I think even when you look at textbooks on his presidency, like that's what it talks about. It talks about well, because it, it, yeah, and it was and everyone knew he wasn't going to be actually thrown out of office for this. Yeah, you know, like they kind of knew that, but it was still so sensationalized and everything coming out about it, and it made like great fodder for like all those like late night tv shows and talk shows and stuff like that right yeah um so that, that just became a really really big thing uh and just like the nation was just, and luckily for him i guess it happened at the end of his presidency yeah right? so if this happened maybe like during the beginning or if it happened right before an election year would it could have hurt him more right yeah absolutely this happened in 99 well the only one i would touch on i guess is um obviously this other impeachment trials going on um or looked at um, but I think the one that people do talk about and that still garners a lot of information, one last one from the 21st century would be the um, Casey Anthony, oh, right? okay. Kaylee Anthony trial. I'm sure you've heard of that one before. Yeah. Where basically an American girl lived in Florida with her mother, Casey Anthony, and her maternal grandparents. And the girl was basically found, well, she was first reported missing, right? And then they, mm-hmm. um, sh- or shortly thereafter, a few months later, they found her um, skeletal remains right by a a tree not that far from her house and became this whole big trial this century after that because on how she died and the mother was eventually found not guilty just lying to the police and lying because the mother lied about everything like oh yeah i'm gonna take you to my job and stuff like that and she would drive to these places and they'd be like this is not we don't know who you are you never worked here before and then she's you know all this stuff came out then she's saying that her parents abused her and pretty recently her parents came on tv they did an interview when it was like the 20th anniversary of it and she's like i did not the father, I didn't abuse my daughter. I don't know what she said that. There's always talk on who was um, Kaylee's mother and stuff, uh, Kaylee's fa- uh, father. So it was one of these really crazy uh, cases that got a lot of media attention. And they still don't know. They still don't know what happened to this girl. It was later yeah. said at the trial that she um, drowned the family pool and that the father then made it look like a kidnapping the grandfather, her grandfather. But the grandfather's like, I never did that. And they're, they're the ones who reported, you know the girl missing to begin with the mother never reported her missing because the mother didn't want like say it and they knew that the mother was probably using chloroform yeah so that sort of thing well i think that was pretty good um you know 100th episode there's gonna be more trials of the century there's gonna be more trials of the century too obviously the impeachment of trump is looked at one you have the trial of saddam hussein is always a big one that gets thrown yeah i saw popping up you had um johnny depth and amanda heard what was just going on a lot of people are calling that like a uh a um a major trial of the century that was an example of it just because of how much you know media attention people are yeah. watching that the media the media attention is watching it and being like you know uh, she pooped in my bed that's gonna that's gonna make headlines that's you know gonna I mean? make headlines I so <laughs> that's gonna be the media circus so there you go as always everyone thank you so much for tuning in week after week and listen to our podcast we really do appreciate it uh, if you need to contact us you could do so at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com uh, we're always here to answer any questions and, you know, we're always excited about your suggestions um, for episodes. So until next week, guys, thank you so much. Enjoy. Stay safe, everybody.
I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast. And if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.